0: The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org.
1: Okay, welcome back everyone. So, So I want to talk a little bit about the teaching on Self, selfing, not-self, all, all of this. So I'm going to present some of, the, um, some of the teachings here as we've been engaging with them through the guided meditation theoret- uh, experientially here. So, So how many of you have heard of the teaching in Buddhism of not-self? Raise your hand if you've heard of the teaching on not-self. Yeah, okay, kind of. Raise your hand if you've never heard about the teaching of not-self. And you, you're interested, you're curious. Yeah, raise your hand tall. Yeah, yeah, great. Like, what's this that about, this self thing, these Buddhists keep talking? Great, fantastic. It's good to know. So, so let's take a step back. So, Why do we practice? Why, why, why do we practice? What's the, what's the purpose? Why are we here right now doing this thing? And each of you might have a personal relationship to that answer. And in some way, the answers are probably all a variation of because the human life has many joys, yes, but the human life also has suffering, and has suffering for everyone, every single person. It's a part of life. Challenges and, and suffering, this word um suffering can seem so huge, but stress, it's a better translation of the word dukkha in Pali, dukkha. Life has stress, has um, challenges, has difficulties, has, you know, there's, co- there's quite a range of how this word in Pali dukkha is translated. It can be translated from a range of, actually I had it in my notes, I don't have it here, oh, but um, it um, can be kind of a major annoyance, a major annoyance is dukkha, Right? Uh, sorry, a minor, not a major. A minor annoyance is a version of dukkha. It's kind of a bummer, like, oh uh, I wanted I don't know I wanted this kind of um uh, I don't know, soy milk, the store doesn't have it, oh they have I don't know, uh they have almond milk, bummer, right? Dukkha is just a minor it's a very, very minor bummer, minor dukkha, inconvenience stress. To ranging to stresses in relationships and work and, and pains in the body, etc. and to to major um, challenges that we have in life, losses, um, um, the grief, etc. So, so life, human life, has suffering. Of course, it does. There is no one who is immune to it. It's just a part of being alive. It's how we learn and grow through um, through these challenges. So, so the Buddha. It's it is said that he, well. Every, every sutta, every Buddhist teaching, every Buddhist sutta starts with, thus have I heard, because the, because Buddhism is a, um, uh, the, the, all, all the teachings were passed. Were not written down when the Buddha was alive. So, so they were written down, and then so all the suttas start. Thus have I heard, because they heard it from the previous generation, who who heard from the previous generation, who heard from the previous generation. So, as I'm about to say, thus have I heard that the Buddha has said that all I teach is suffering and the end of suffering.
2: That's
1: that's the whole purpose of all the teachings, suffering and the end of suffering, so that we don't suffer. We have more freedom. We have more ease. Uh, we are liberated. We relate to our human lives in, from a different perspective with more freedom, with more love, with more compassion, with more ease towards ourselves and towards others. Just a different perspective. We still, we're still, we still doing what we do. We still... the. Chop wood, carry water. There is this um, expression, Zen expression, that before awakening, chop wood, carry water. After awakening, chop wood, carry water. You're still in the world. You're still engaging. You're still having a body and and a self. I'll talk more about that in quotes. A, A personhood. You're still going around the world relating, serving being and yet we relate from a different place from a place that has more freedom has more ease is connected cares so deeply it's not detached it's not like oh i'm enlightened so i don't care what happens in the world no you you care deeply compassionately about the world about others about this being who is you by yourself and yet it's a different relationship it's nothing, things don't, you don't t- take things as personally. Because we take things too personally and we hurt so much. It, it, it's, there's this contraction. So this idea of self, taking things personally, it's mine, it's me, it's because of what I did. Me, 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 all me, 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 me. It can be a whole source of the way we we cause suffering for ourselves and for others. so in buddhism there are three helpful lenses that the buddha teaches these three helpful lenses these three ways of perceiving phenomena and by phenomena i mean internally what we perceive in the body sensations thoughts etc and externally what we hear with interactions we have so internal external Internal, external. The practice is always internal, external, by the way. Putting an asterisk there because sometimes it seems like yeah, these Buddhists they just meditate, they're just internal. It's not about how you relate external to the world. Quite the opposite. The whole purpose of doing the meditation internally is so that we have a foothold. We have we train ourselves to be more prepared, to, to interact more wisely more compassionately, more kindly with the world. And when I say the world, also again, the world is both external and internal because we create the world. We create the world internally based on our perceptions, the way we perceive, the way we see, the way we react, the way we like, we don't like, etc., 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 so coming back to these perceptions, so per, our perception is very important. These lenses that we put on, the lenses that we put on to to um, to see, to see phenomena as it arises. So again, phenomena, I know it sounds kind of abstract, but I'm using it as the most general way of internal, external uh objects that arise in our minds, in our hearing, seeing, hearing, tasting, uh, in our minds, all of that. So, So the three helpful lenses, the three helpful lenses, the three helpful perspectives that help us have more freedom, more ease. And the one we focus on today, actually, well, I'll mention the other two, um, the, f- the first one, the easiest one usually to see is impermanence, that things are inconstant. Things are, ch- they change all the time. And that is a fact about the world. No matter how much we want things not to change, things change. And when we see life, when we see our human life through that perspective of really, truly, truly, truly accepting change, we can have more freedom. We don't expect what cannot be delivered. The world cannot deliver the sense of constancy that we expect of it. So we have more freedom. So the lens of impermanence. And the lens, the second lens is the lens of dukkha. This word I was trying to, tr- to translate and offer this whole wide range of translations that inherently there is stress in life. There is dissatisfaction. there are challenges in life, so we don't seek perfections where there isn't we we kind of wake up we well we kind of, hopefully we truly wake up that that yes, there's always there's these different forms of unsatisfactoriness and stress in life that um or, or that the life is imperfect that's one shorthand so um impermanent, imperfect. And the third one being impersonal. So these three lenses, impermanent or inconstant, imperfect and impersonal. Ah, <sighs> I'll get into impersonal a little more because that's the focus of our day to together this particular lens of 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 self, personality, you know, person taking it personally, etc. But just before I move on, imperfect, um uh, inconstant, imperfect, impersonal. Sometimes I say that, in, and in conversations with, with Dharma friends, it's come up, and just evoking that, it just brings a sense of really, yeah, this is how life is, it's okay, it's impermanent, It's or inconstant, whichever you prefer, impermanent, imperfect, it's just imperfect, and it's impersonal, It's it's not personal, we take it personally, and it's not personal, so. This third one is teaching on not-self. So the first one, anicca, impermanent. The second one, dukkha, unsatisfactoriness or stress, um, imperfection. And the third one, this lens of impersonal. And this one is the more nuanced one or the most nuanced one to understand. And it's so easy to completely get off the rails with this third one. So we're going to engage the whole day with this third one and try to have a wise relationship to it. Because again, if you have, if you have gone off the rails in any way and with, with an unhelpful understanding of uh, impersonality or not self or you're confused by it or, you, uh, or you're trying to get rid of yourself so that you can be a free Buddhist, welcome. You're not alone. This happens a lot. So you're in good company. We're going to discuss all of that and how actually, this this teaching, instead of it being self-denying and and self-flagellating, instead of being that, it's actually freeing. It's freeing. It um, it's liberating. And and um, yeah, maybe I'll just pause there. So okay. So in Pali, the term for this teaching is Anatta, A, Natta. So at, so the Atta in Pali is is um, uh, self or a a, um, a persistent, continuing, existing, eternal. Self, as if there is a homunculus, or you know, the, or, or a soul. Another translation is this: this continuity of a soul that, that is fixed and doesn't change, and it's 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 you know there, um, and f- maybe from one life to the next, it's the same. It's fixed. It's me. It's mine. I've done this. It's my fault. It's it, There's this fixedness to, to this Atta. Ah, ah, nata is not that is not that whatever that is not that right not that not that fixed thing okay so now it's important to make a an important clarification here so the buddha never said that there is no self i don't know if you're familiar with with uh, fake buddha quotes anyone there's a whole website for fake buddha quotes uh, and and um, in fact someone a few years ago gave uh gill this this framed um image it has an a, a, a buddha um, statue in the cell in, in the corner and then in quote says i never said that the buddha <laughs> so this whole website is kind of that's the theme. I never said that. And then there are all these fake Buddha quotes that, that people have come up. So one of the fake Buddha quotes is there is no self. So the Buddha never said there is no self. And and that's a, an important um, flag for me to put in the sand. And here is a teaching, and um, maybe I'll just tell it by from memory. I was trying to find it earlier, and now it's gone. And anyway, I'll just tell you from memory. So, so Vachagata, the wanderer, goes to the Buddha. You might have heard this story. And Vachagata is, is curious, interested about the teaching. So, Vachagata asks the Buddha, is there a self? Is there an atta? Is there this fixed, eternal thing that's fixed? The Buddha doesn't answer. And then Vachagata says, Okay, is there is there n- no self? Does, is, is there that, that this self does not exist? The Buddha does not answer. So after a while, Vachagata gets up and just leaves. My God this person is not going to answer my questions. And then I think it's Ananda one of his, uh, the Buddha's attendants turns and says, "Well, why did you not answer him?" He said, "Well, if I had said that there is a self, that there is this fixed eternal, then he would have had this this belief of it uh, eternalism. Right? Eternalism. So he would have believed that. If I if I said there is no self, then he would have had a fixed view of nihilism, that there is no self, nothing matters, I don't exist. And neither of those views are helpful. Ah, neither of those views are helpful. So what is it that he's teaching and and he's pointing to? and And we are working towards here to have more ease and freedom so this is what i like to present so yes there is this idea of concept there's this concept of a self of course you exist right you exist you i'm wearing clothes or they seem to be blue you know phone there's a phone number address i get hungry right there is a self there's a phone number address right there's a self right and it's also helpful, and it is said, and 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 so so there is this concept of the self, and yet, and yet the way we relate to the self, to this this being who has come to be, is how it is what determines whether or not we have freedom or we suffer, whether we think take things too personally, because this being that has come to be is a process is a process is not so much a fixed thing fixed identity a fixed thing that's always the same but it's the process that keeps responding and showing up and responding to whatever arises in the environment and it's really to put the focus to put our to put our lens on the relationship, how do we respond? How do I, what is the response, the relationship to phenomena? Instead of who am I? What is this? What am I? This? Am I that? Am I the? You know, to, to keep a narrative, to to have this fixed narrative. Am I better? Am I less than? I'm, I you know, this comparative narrative. So not so much being concerned about this this narrative but but what is the appropriate response to to focus there what is the appropriate response any moment in this fixed sea of phenomena this this sea of sensations that arise thoughts that arise interactions that arise what is the right what is the appropriate response that has freedom care compassion equanimity to to really focus on that instead of this fixed idea of the self that is trying to protect its own ego and its own position in the world or how i'm seen or how i'm not seen or what do people think of me or how how i think of me or i'm a person who's like this and never gets it or always gets it. it's like whoa, none of this is needed it's it's so heavy it's so heavy to go through life with all of that baggage of selfing, selfing, this fixed identity. And and it's not, so, so that's one thing to keep in mind. We're going to talk more about that, we're going to do practices more to really turn towards that response actually maybe while I'm there's so many directions I want to go um, maybe while I'm maybe I'll, no, I'll mention something else I'll come back to this because this is another piece I want to go into a little more in a moment and share some paragraphs with you from, from this book um, also it's um, the as we as we bring awareness to to selfing you know self self is a verb selfing is a verb and here's where it gets a little you know the the word self gets a little overloaded and and i'm going to use it in different ways so if it gets confusing raise your hand and i'll try to clarify right so now I'm going to use slightly different uh, nomenclature. There's this idea of selfing, selfing which is synonymous with a contraction, selfing which is synonymous with a contraction, with, with a relationship to a phenomena that's contracted, that's, wa- that's wanting, not wanting, pushing away. And then there's this idea of this being who is me, this, this self, that... We, it's not helpful for us to try to get rid of, because especially nowadays, and through the, the availability of non-dual teachings in the West, there are a lot of teachings, although there's no self and, and emptiness, which is an extent, actually, the the, the teaching of not-self is an extension of emptiness of self and phenomena. But I'll put an asterisk, if people have questions, I'll go there. But essentially, Given that there are so many teachings available, nowadays I see so many people, especially younger folks who are listening to various podcasts, etc., and they're trying to get rid of their self because self is not a good thing to have. Apparently they've heard on these podcasts, like self is the source of suffering, so they're trying to get rid of their self. And it's an untenable position to have, and it's actually quite risky um, it can lead to psychological instability. If we're trying to get rid of ourselves, it's as if we're having an internal war against ourselves. It's the selfing that's the that causes suffering, but not the not that there is a self, there is a being that has these thoughts and emotions, etc. So so the healthy approach, the healthy progress on the path is, First, you get to know the self. You really get to know the self. You get to know the habit patterns of this self. Habit p- with lovingly, compassionately. There is, of course, memories and, and the habit patterns that we have, some of them skillful, some of them are not skillful. So really get to know the self and get to love the self, completely love the self. With all its nuances. So, you need to know the self, love the self before you can release it, before you can let go of it. Does that make sense? Before you have really known the self, you've known the habit patterns lovingly, patiently. Oh, yes, oh, yes, sweetheart, you get anxious when these things happen. I get it, it's okay and then love the self, you can, only then we can release, we can release the selfing, the entanglements. And one thing, now having this progression in mind, one thing that helps us love the self, right? not the selfing, but the self, to really appreciate, know, and love the self is when, we bring in the teaching of dependent origination. And if you haven't heard of it, don't worry, no problem. So how can that be helpful here? Basically, the teaching is that whatever is arising in this moment, in this moment of being alive, in this moment that is happening billions of years after the Big Bang, that we are stardust, that here we are interacting, cognizing, seeing, being with one another. Everything that's arising is born out of causes and conditions. So many causes and conditions that have come to be. So many, including evolution, including uh, our parents and their parents' generations of history and culture and and genetics and and... And so much has been passed down, including our own family of origin and, and our, our genetics and how we were raised and all the experiences we've had um, in our society. That again, it's all these causes and conditions that have brought this being about, this being to be. We're not existing outside of the causes and conditions. We are born. It's, this is not personal. We take it to be personal. We take our reactions to be personal or our patterns to be. It's not personal. If anybody was born in your genes, to your family of origin, with your background, with every, every experience that you've had, every interaction you've had, would be doing what you are doing, would be who you are right now. So in that way, it is so impersonal. And each of us could have been born as one another and would be very different experience. So none of this is personal. And when you get a sense of, wow, I take all of this to be me, mine, personal me, why am I like this? This is not personal, sweetheart. And I can have freedom. To understand to really appreciate what is this is this has what has come to be this has what has been co-created from all the cause and conditions it's it's like this okay now I am tasked this being who is me I am tasked to take care of to be the loving parent to be the loving guardian of this being who is me nobody else is going to do it this being is born out of all these cause and conditions and yet trusting in in the compassion and goodness it, this is i'm entrusted with understanding knowing And not being caught by the causes and conditions necessarily that have given rise to this being who is me. So it gets very calm. You know, it's it's both very simple, and yet just this perspective, this lens, brings ease and freedom. It's not so personal. It's not so personal, and I can understand i can see i can appreciate these habit patterns this person has oh you know every time i know maybe i there's a bill due i get anxious or or you know i think i think of money i get anxious oh this is oh my family of origin oh yeah they had their money Oh, that's what's happening sweetheart or whatever else it might be the patterns that you might have oh yes this is what's happening this is, it's not personal so understanding the patterns but not being bound by them not being bound by their fixedness fix, not being fixed in the sense of yeah this is eternal and this is me and nothing changes no this is a process selfing is a, the self is a process it's come to be because of all the cause and conditions and as I bring more compassion, more equanimity, more understanding, and let go, let go, let go, more and more through wisdom, this self is going to continue to shift and change and grow. So in this view, there is so much freedom. I love the freedom and this sense of, the sense of possibility that opens up. that there is so much there is possibility there is there is a way for us to see know the patterns and not be fixed by them and one way to to see that is you know just as we have come to be through so many causes and conditions our reactions Our reactions to that, the reactions that we have, the way we meet phenomena, the way we meet the world, right? It's we have been trained in a particular way. We've we've been trained by society and family, and we've trained ourselves. The Buddha says, whatever you frequently reflect and ponder upon, that becomes the inclination of your mind. That's powerful. Whatever we frequently reflect and think upon, whatever we keep thinking about, that's who we become. If we pick our phones every ten seconds and are on social media, that's who we become. We become a person who cares about social media and likes and and this, you know, how how I'm going to be perceived by others and how they perceive me. Or oh, they're on a great vacation. I'm not like that's who we become. If that's we keep we keep feeding that, that's who we become. And it's not fixed, and that's the beauty of it. I mean, we know that in so many ways we nowadays we know also that neuroplasticity, the neurons that fire together wire together. It was uh, thought that neuroplasticity is only until i don 't know teenage years or twenty one you'd be early adults. Uh, but now we know that until we are alive, we our brains keep shifting and changing and and setting up new patterns of responding to the world. We keep shifting and changing. I know that I'm a, I'm a different person because of this practice than I was 10 years ago, five years ago. I mean, like I could just think it's like stock market. Like if you don't look every five minutes, have I changed? Have I changed? Am I, I a more compassionate person? Don't do that every five minutes or every day. But over a long period, right, you know, things shift and change and there's a direction. Um, but but um trusting that we can change through through practice through bringing this this pause between the stimulus and response through having more space between when a stimulus comes and we react decide how to react as we have have more space and calm through practice through meditation through having more calm and space we increase that space between the stimulus response and that that changes the probability, the probabilistic distribution for those math, I'll explain that for those mathematicians out there, but even if you're not, I'll explain it. You know, you can think of our of the way we react in the world to whatever comes as if it was a you know the probability distribution. There's, there's some. There's some distribution that. Oh, if this thing happens, and if I'm if I'm tired and sleepy, and if I don't feel well, this is the way I'm going to react. And and but 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 um, maybe that has you know uh, if the total probability is like one, maybe point eight. Uh, there's point eight probably eighty percent of the time I react this way. But there are some times actually that I can be chill. So it's like it's a Every way we react to the phenomena, we don't, we don't always react. It's not a deterministic system, right? It's not, if this happens, then I do that, right? We're not like that. It's probabilistic. Usually when something like this happens, I usually, you know, this percentage of the time I behave this this way. But sometimes I behave this way, and some other times I behave this way, right? So through practice, we can shift these probabilities. We can change and shift these probabilities so that if this and this happens, I don't respond 80% of the time this way and just react. Like maybe 50% of the time I become reactive. Maybe another 50% of the time I'm like, I'm chill, like it's okay. And then I keep practicing. And maybe only 20% of the time I become reactive when something like this happens. And 80% of the time I'm chill. Right? We can shift these probabilities of how we how we react in the world. And that is where freedom happens. Freedom is shifting these probability distributions of our reactions to phenomena in the world. Isn't that great? Right? Little by little. And I know that that is true for me. And I've seen that for a lot of practitioners. So... So a couple of things I wanted to share with you out of this um, out of this book <clears throat> called "Unlimiting Mind" by Andrew Olensky. Now and I was browsing through it and, uh, and I saw the chapter heading There's, it's a great we, uh, the chapter heading is, "Self is a verb." Self is a verb." And I'll read you a couple of paragraphs. I think he really um, expresses it quite beautifully. Um, Of all the nouns we use to distinguish um, the hollowness of the human condition, none is more influential than myself. It consists of a collage of still images, name, gender, nationality, profession, enthusiasms, relationships which are renovated from time to time, but otherwise are each a relic from one particular experience or another. The defining teaching of the Buddhist tradition that the non-self is merely pointing out the limitation of this reflexive view, of this reflexive view we hold of ourselves. Wait, I missed something in reading that. The defining teaching of the Buddhist tradition that of non-self is merely pointing out the limitations of this reflexive view we hold of ourselves. It's not that the self does not exist, but that it is as cobbled together and transient as everything else, as we've talked about. It's just this cobbling of the self. He talks about self as a process, self as a verb, there's one. Another paragraph I wanted to read for you. Um, yeah, here it is. So, so what becomes clear through the analysis of moment-to-moment experience is that grasping is not something done by the self. And the idea of grasping or clinging, the idea of clinging... In in Buddhism, it's basically clinging and grasping is suffering, is is when you have that contraction. I've been using the word contraction. He uses grasping. It's like the sense of contraction that you have, like, oh, I want this, oh, I don't want this. That is where dukkha or suffering is, and you can see that in your experience because when you're at peace, as some of you were reporting earlier in our meditation this morning, there's a sense of, ah, no contraction, ease freedom, kindness, compassion. So what becomes clear through this analysis of moment-to-moment experience is that grasping is not something done by the self, but rather self is something done by grasping. The self is constructed each moment for the simple purpose of providing the one who likes or doesn't like, holds on to or pushes away, what is unfolding in experience. So these are the same ideas we've been talking about. Just like, I appreciate how succinctly he puts them. Yeah. Yeah, so try locating the grasping reflexes in your own experience. The subtle attitude of holding on, holding on to or pushing away what suits or vexes me, in quotes. And see for yourself what happens when it is replaced at any given moment by equanimity. And I want to add not just equanimity, but also generosity, the sense of generosity, of letting go, uh, compassion. Um, and generosity and letting go are actually this one and the same. this the same movement of the heart That lets go of something, just opens up the hand, is the same movement that's generous. So so I'm going to pause. I feel like I've been talking for a while now. That was our biggest Dharma talk of the day. I want to pause and open to some questions before we do some more exploration and practice together. So, questions, comments, complaints. Yeah, Saskia.
3: I find myself getting confused sometimes um, between uh, wanting something and like, is it grasping or is this just a need? Is this just something that I... I want for myself, and that is, and that's okay to want that and like have or look for that. Have that. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Say say a little more, and yeah, but fill it out a little more if you
3: would. Um, so, say in the in the realm of relationship, um, um like wanting. A certain yeah experience of relationship, you know, um and then one but and noticing that yeah, there's like may, there may be grasping, but there's also in a given in a in, in a particular interaction, but there is also just like okay, and then there's also just this need for a certain dynamic or a certain quality of relationship mm-hmm. that and can that be okay, is that you know, so I find yeah. myself getting uh, in this like mental churn about is this grasping or is this just okay that this is something i want and need and and yeah it's okay to look for that or wait for that or right like open to that
1: right right yeah yeah i so appreciate you bringing this in and i was saving this part of our exploration for later in the day when we um turn towards our uh, intentions and highest intentions and motives. But I think I'll bring it in now. This
3: is great. Okay. And maybe can I just say one more sure. thing? Sure, yeah. That um, as I'm talking about it, I do, like, I guess the way I sometimes am able to hold it is that, okay, it's okay to want something, but have like an open and, uh, what's the word? Well, non-grasping attitude. I guess it's like the difference, be- it's like, it's okay to to, to, to want something, but, um, but without attachment, I guess that's,
1: yeah, yeah, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. So, but
3: but, yeah, but how grasping like, yeah, it gets involved. It's just, gets confusing to me.
1: Yeah. I appreciate you voicing that because this is, this is us. This is not, I mean, you're voicing it for everyone. So, if you're voicing it for everyone. Of course, of course. And these this is how we live our human lives of I I want this, but am I not supposed to want it and is this another what's the, what's a healthy relationship basically? What's a healthy relationship and as a human being, of course, there are the um the desires we have or the the various um filial uh needs and, and, and connection and community and, and relationships, etc. like how, how to have. And, and yet at the same time, it is said that evolution is, has not, um, we haven't evolved for happiness. We have evolved for, for passing down our genes because that's what evolution is. We haven't evolved for happiness. So, so, so in many ways actually doing this practice is going against the stream. And it's not to say, oh, give up relationships and give up being community. It's not about that either. But how can we actually have a healthy relationship so there is a freedom in the heart, um, in in our mind and heart. And also we're not completely suppressing or ignoring, which is not the idea of practice either. The the middle way, if you you have... Uh, the, the, the Buddha's teachings are known as the middle way. The middle way between suppression and indulgence so how we how do we not suppress um, and how do we not indulge so so with that preamble what I like to bring in is really what comes to is this is the attitudes is the um is the way that we hold uh, something that is and something that we want or rather I want to perhaps name it as, as aspiration. It's really the difference between um, expectation and aspiration. And I'll relate it into a moment to the question you asked, but in general, the, the, when we want something, when we expect something to happen, their sense of expectation can be tight. Can be. I ex- I want this to happen. I expect this to happen. And and there's often selfing there too because selfing is is being related to. I I want this. So it it can become interesting to be, to be curious about it, when when we have a sense of um, expectation or a wanting and and see if there is ease. Um, what is the energy? What is the energetic relationship to what what we're wanting? What is that? And yet, there can be this other attitude um, to something that we aspire, perhaps we aspire, as you're saying, to, to have a relationship that has this quality of of unconditional acceptance and love. And that's beautiful. And that starts with having a sense of openness of the heart. So if we want something that, for example, the conditions for that to arise in the world... To have that sense of freedom and, and and openness of the heart that is not clinging to that thing for it to happen, see what i 'm saying so there's a sense of openness and and unconditional um, metta that fills my own cup first that completely fills my own cup with acceptance and love and and you know as we 're talking also about the self that there is a sense of loving the self and not expecting another being to satisfy the needs of the self in terms of love and metta. Um, so that becomes the sense of generosity, this complete sense of generosity and the heart that has equanimity um, and and is open to a possibility but doesn't want it. There's not that. Aggressive. So, So my invitation as you bring this in is to to notice the energy, notice really the energies, in in the in how how it's how is it held? Is it is it held more as an open of opening of the heart with as an aspiration, more as a wanting? Like that can be so um, instructive in answering your own question because I don't
3: know. And, and then it gets you know there's also like, well, need, like is this is this right for me? Is this what what I need for like health for well-being? right? And so there's like that, that wants and needs, and sometimes even that part gets confusing, but yeah,
1: yeah, Fee, feel into the energy of the inquiry and and the want and needs, all of that. I think the contract if is there a contraction? Is there no contraction? Is there generosity? Is there love? here is there um or maybe i use the word metta because love can have attachment in it you know in, in especially in our western way is there metta is there unconditional acceptance and ease and goodwill here ah is that what i feel in my body when i think about these or is it like ah contracted so it's yeah thank you questions, comments that we're going to take? Yeah, please.
3: I'm curious how do we think about grasping or wanting for others? So there's a lot of you know, suffering in the world, right? And we want the world to be better and different yeah. and have less suffering in it. But there's a sense of...
1: Hold it closer, please, for everybody oh, else's sake. Sorry.
3: That's all good. Just talking about suffering in the world for, you know, a lot of people. Sure. And so how do we think about grasping for that better world kind of thing, right? For others not to suffer, right? So you feel a sense of anxiety, like you want things to be different.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. Good question. Does everyone hear the question? Yeah. So um, how do we work with... Um, the sense of wanting a better world for everyone and, and the sense of anxiety that 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 grasping for a for a peaceful safer loving world, yeah yeah so. There are aspirations, of course we have. Otherwise you know, the aspirations are beautiful and, and we have them. It's not like, oh, we, we let go of any wants and you know, just we'll just hang out, do nothing. Like we're here, we're doing it day long, we're exploring, we're learning, we're ex- right, we're practicing. Um there is an aspiration. It's really about how we hold those aspirations, how we hold them. And again we'll talk more about this, but it's Or maybe this is the time I'm going to just bring it in because we're redirected that way. Um, It's how we hold these aspirations. And the word grasping is really this contraction in the heart and mind that brings either greed or hatred. And we cannot want a better future for our planet with a sense of greed and hatred, right? You, you cannot, it just doesn't work that, do you see that? You cannot wish for peace every, everywhere if your heart is greeting, it's like, I want peace, I'm anxious, there's no peace, Like I, I hate people who don't have peace,
2: Like it just doesn't work
1: that way, right? So it's the way we are holding that peace, with a peaceful, loving, generous heart, not just for ourselves, but for the world and for everyone who does not share this vision. Yeah. That's the only way it can become possible. So it's not grasping. Grasping has no place in here. But it's an it's an aspiration. It's, an, it's, it's what we, perhaps we do every, maybe we work even at a non-profit and we're working and we're doing everything we can. Every waking moment we are working towards this vision, but not out of This grasping, which is synonymous with greed and hatred. Does that make sense? Yeah.
3: Yeah.
1: Thank you.
0: Thanks. Yeah? Hi, I want to circle back to um, when we were talking a bit about the self and how I feel it's so powerful uh, when you mentioned how we're tasked with taking care of this being. Um, and I got a little bit emotional because sometimes I feel I'm not doing it very well. And um, like even when we know what we should be doing, like all the acceptance and compassion, I feel sometimes it makes it even harder because you know what you're supposed to do and you're not able to do it. Um, and then maybe it's also a bit of like grasping, um, grasping onto what I know I want for myself, or like what is healthy um, my relationship to myself. Um, so I, I I don't know if you yeah. have anything to say. To yeah,
1: me. yeah. I appreciate you bringing this in. So important and and so real and so practical. So I, I also noticed as you were saying, you said when I. Know what I should be doing, right? And so did you pick up that should that you said, right? So so when that so if the attitude is I should be doing this, right? Again, it's it's somewhat similar to the comment previously where we have this aspiration, but the way we're going about the aspiration is not aligned with the aspiration. I want to be compassionate, but you should be compassionate. Like, whoa, that's not working here, sweetheart. Like, there's no should, right? So when we... Because, but that's how, what we know. These are the tools we've been given in the world and, and the patterns that we have. You should do this, you should do that, you Right? and and we use the same limited tools we have as we enter the space of compassion and ease and freedom okay i should have more freedom i should have more compassion like, sweetheart it doesn't work that way right there's no arr, arr, it's not a doing it's actually it's a relaxing into so the first thing is can you relax this should the shooting that you should be more compassionate towards yourself. <sighs> just let that go. There's no shooting. There's nothing you should be doing. Just relax. It's okay. It's okay. Don't add yet another thing I should be doing on top of everything I'm not doing. Like, right, just relax. And that's an act of compassion right there. Do you see that? Do you see how that relaxing that shooting is it's okay, sweetheart, there's nothing extra I need to do. I can just be okay right now. That's enough.
0: Thank you. I like that because like, it can be as simple as that, the like, act of compassion, whereas sometimes I'm thinking about all the skills that I should be employing. and
1: yeah. Keep it so simple, so simple right here. It's It's easier than you think. It's closer than you think. Yeah, thank you. Ah, any other reflections or questions before we turn? Yeah.
4: I have one that I hope will be quick. I just wanted to confirm. It doesn't
1: that... have to be quick. It's okay.
4: <laughs> I just wanted to confirm or check my understanding of the teaching that you gave. So yeah. you talked about the self exists, right? We're here.
3: Um, Grasping sometimes comes with a story or a narrative, right? Like, I I should be this type of person or I should not be this type
4: of person. It seems like that doesn't bear any relationship to the self that does exist. Is that right? Like, that's.
1: Ah, so. so,
4: What is the relationship? So let
1: me clarify. Okay, I'm glad, yeah. So let's start with the self first premise. So when I said that the self exists, this being who's us has. So that's what I mean by that self. I don't mean atta as this eternal, right, just to make that distinction. Okay, so we're good there. Check. Okay, And then the second part of what you said was that the narratives have to do with the grasping. Not always. Not necessarily. Not always. Sometimes we can see the narratives, you know. But that's... um, but selfing and and contraction, those are synonymous. It's it's me, it's mine, it's myself. And, and we'll will do more practice with that in a little bit. So one of the teachings of the Buddha is one of the practices is is whatever phenomena arises, to say this is not me, this is not mine, this is not myself. To see it through that lens. That again, it's not a way to like hammer it out, but it's it's a way of offering a different lens of not taking everything so personally. Things can be as they are without the... So think of it this way: there is an object arising in in you know, sense, and when I say an object, it's a sensation, the thought, a something in the sense, the six sense spheres, the five senses plus the mind. Where everything can be replayed in in Buddhism, there are six senses. Okay, so a phenomena, an object arises in one of the six senses, right? With me so far? Okay, and then there is there is uh, consciousness, right? So there's object, there's consciousness, knowing this thing, right? Okay, and then and then often what we do is what we add on to it. Is to this consciousness awareness knowing this thing, which which also can have a particular attitude. So so in this diagram, object arising, consciousness awareness uh, in the middle. Of this relationship knowing the object that can be a particular attitude, the way that this object is being known. The object can be known with interest, curiosity, spaciousness. Meta kindness, or it can be known in a graspy way, like Argh, "I want this," like "Oh, I don't want this." Make, right? There, these are all kinds of relationships that this knowing can have with this object. Right? When there's the relationship, knowing is one of ease, spaciousness, love. There's a sense of ease knowing the object, whatever it might be. There is a sense of freedom. The self the self kind of dissolves disappears there 's no need for the we, we can see that in our practice in the moment to moment experience in our meditation, as I hope we will practice this afternoon it's just there 's no need for the self it's just be it 's like when we're absorbed in something that we love and we're doing maybe you're you're uh uh, playing game, maybe you're playing with a niece or a nephew. Just you're completely absorbed. There's generosity, there's love. It's just the play. There's not. I'm an uncle or I'm an aunt. I should be viewed this way. It's like no, you're just loving this being. You're 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 absorbed in this or in this game or gardening or whatever it might be. The self disappears, right? Drops away. the selfing. Let me be clear with my language. Selfing disappears, right? Now take that now, as opposed to that relationship being more, more. Um, there, there's more con- contraction. Oh, I'm playing with my my niece. Say so that. Um, she likes me, or she thinks more of me, or like my, I don't know, my family, there's kind of more contraction there, right, there's like, what does this say about me, or it's, or I don't like this, make this go away, this, you know, I know, I was just playing this game, and I don't like this anymore, I'm a loser, or I'm a winner, like, it's just like, uh, heavy now, so it's that's where the self thing is coming in is being fed. So it's not that there there's a self, yes, there's a self. We take care of it, we love it, we but it's that self thing. What does it say about me and where we when we are relating to an object in a moment-to-moment basis? Is that clear now? I think so. what's not clear? And and, and just to say there I'm hoping we will explore this more this afternoon because this is the crux of the teaching here.
4: I, I think maybe what I'm not clear on now is the relationship between the grasping and the story or the narrative.
1: Ah, the God it Okay, good, good. Great. So So the grasp so think of the grasping or the pushing away. Like either, the contraction, let's call it contraction because it can be either, right? Think of that as a, something that you can sense in your body or in your mind, right? And You know what I mean, right? There's kind of a contraction like around in the body. And it often ties into a narrative that's either seen or not seen in the moment. So that's the relationship. And either the narrative is giving rise to this contraction or that contraction is giving rise to the narrative. In some ways, they're one and the same. It's like the the arrow goes both ways. Do we just kind of strengthen each other? Does that make sense? Yes. Okay, great. I so appreciate your question and I'm so glad it was not a brief one. For the benefit of everyone, this really helped clarify i feel yes yeah any other clarifying questions yeah this is good we're really getting to the marrow of this and if again if any lack of clarity please ask because it's not just for your benefit it's for everyone's benefit it means i haven't been clear enough which is great thanks for asking i mean not great that i haven't been clear enough but great that you're asking please
4: okay i'm rachel um just so I contribute something to the community. I'm not sure if this will make sense, but um, what came to my mind was just a little thought. Um, let's see how's it go. It's all coming back now in tiny little pieces, though it's been years now. The pieces are here, so I'm just thinking like the narratives, and then also about the cause and effect of the self. So. Just being um, aware of all those little pieces that we carry, mm-hmm. but just being able to see them and then also at the same time knowing that the environment has kind of shaped shaped the self too, yeah, so just um. Just little ideas. It's still kind of coming to yes, me. Yeah, it's kind of percolating I, yeah. through. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> but I wanted to con- contribute a little bit of what was on my mind.
1: Sure. Yeah, I appreciate that. And and also, what I appreciate that you're naming is this this uh, this understanding or this perhaps an aha moment of oh wow, there's so much that has come to this moment and uh, that's giving rise to what's creating the experience of this moment. And what I would also say is that. Um, let the practice be informed by knowing the cause and conditions but not trying to analyze the cause and conditions because that's not what this practice is. It's not about, oh, well, what "What happened when I was a child? Is that why I'm like, that's psychoanalysis. That's not what we're doing here. I I know you're not saying this, but this is a great opportunity for me to bring this point here that even though, yes, there are plenty of cause and conditions, but our practice really is, in the moment, as we are meditating, as we, are, as we make ourselves available in this moment, to, to, to notice, just to see what's arising and passing in the moment here. If there is a, for example, thought arising right now, is our reaction to it contraction? Like, right now? Or is it one of peace, love, care? What, what's happening right here, right now? So we don't have to to analyze all the causing. Is that's not part of the, the the task here, the practice here, and to know that yes, what's arising here is in, is informed by all of that. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, great. Ah, I think one more here.
3: Thank you. Um, I was just interested in that line. Um, self does not do the grasping. Grasping does the self. But then, uh, who's doing the grasping? <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah, so I think you're
1: talking about the the line that that, that he has here, right? But let's go back to the source here. So, or was it? Um, Just making sure that we... Oh, see, now I can't find it. Hmm. I can't find the exact sentence. So I read this one. Oh, here it is. But rather, self is something done by grasping. Right. I think that's what you were saying, right? So, right? so, then what is doing the grasping? Yeah, so here it is. So, so yeah, so uh, let me read it one more time because it might become clear if I read it one more. And if it's not clear, then, then we'll get into it. So, what becomes th- clear through this analysis of moment to moment experience? Is that grasping is not something done by the self, but rather self is something done by grasping. The self is constructed each moment for the simple purpose of providing the one who likes or doesn't like, holds on to or pushes away what is unfolding in experience. that become more clear? Mm. Yeah. So, so think of it this way. So it's... it's um, so this contraction that arises, this relationship, so focus on the relationship, right? When I was talking about the object and no and awareness, and there's this relationship, right? So that relationship, if it's a relationship of grasping... That, that is that relationship gives rise to when it is that that is where the selfing happens. Mm-hmm. The selfing, so that's and that that grasping is what brings up the selfing, and it's me and mine, and it's about me and that narrative, and kind of can give rise to that, or just the sense of the, the the a a contracted self.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: I th- yeah, I think um, my question is coming from wanting to locate the grasping and the like the motivation behind that, where that is coming from, so that I can be present with with the grasping then.
1: yeah, yeah, so, yeah, I appreciate you locating the intention for for that. So there is no location to it. And you know that there's no location, and it is a a pattern it's a rel- it's a habit pattern relationship that's arising in the moment. so as long as you are prepared for like this is what's arising afresh and new and I'm not trying to see all the like la la where is it where is it coming from because like, that is where it gets the mind bogged down, mm-hmm. don't go there. Mm-hmm. It's right here and fresh. That's what I needed. Thank you. Yeah, sure. Great. Great. I'm going to pause for lunch, but this is pretty juicy, and it's so clarifying because when we practice this afternoon, there will be more meditation and interaction, not so much talking. So any other clarifying questions? This is your chance. It's 12.07. Maybe we'll go to 12.15.
2: Yeah. Um, no, that's just like I just uh, witnessed right here in this room, just like the end of grasping through practice. So I noticed like, you know, there was like I saw something and the attitude was one of aversion. And I noticed the pain in the aversion. And then, um, you know, because I'm just like planning and trying to do a meta practice and I usually stay away from meta, but... <laughs> Somehow this week, I'm trying to try it, give it a try. So I just brought some meta to the the judgment in the mind. And then the contraction ceased, and the mind stopped following the idea, like, why did that contraction arose? Otherwise, I would have wallowed in that contraction, you know, for a while. So I just... um, so I right now, so
1: that, was Yay. I celebrate your practice you know the whole and com- invite everyone I see lots of smiles around that 's it it 's beautiful, right when you see the contraction and and just ever so gently uh, the attitude this this relationship shifts with with some meta, with some care, just with some relaxing with some ease, it 's like oh, wow, this whole, it, the, the whole conglomerate changes, right? By adding, it, and it's, it's wild when we see it in this moment-to-moment experience in our own hearts. This is great. Thanks for
2: sharing that. But there's a skeptical part of me. It's uh-huh. like, okay, you're trying meta this week, but it's going to get stale next week, and it, you wouldn't be that interested Ooh. in it
1: anymore. <laughs> Do you hear that narrative of the self? Did you hear that? <laughs> yeah. Did you hear that? <laughs> yeah. And is it okay to say, thank you very much for your opinion. <laughs> and I don't have to believe you. Right? Is that possible? feel uh, into that. <laughs>
2: I'll try that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> but as Heraclitus said, expect the unexpected. Otherwise you won't find it.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's too courageous. <laughs> <laughs> it's...
1: T- t- Why not? You know, the self is a process. It keeps changing and shifting. It can be courageous this moment. Let the self be courageous. You you, you have choice. You can, there can can be a lens of skepticism and ah, you can take that on, absolutely. (laughs) You are welcome to wear that. And you can also choose to wear a lens of courageousness. Why not? Right? We fashion our 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 thoughts, our minds. We have more choice. I love this. Um, there's a title of this book: um, "Happiness is a choice you make." Happiness is a choice you make, and so is everything. is It's a choice. It all starts with intention and. And choice, which is why the teachings on intention in Buddhism are, like everything starts with, with our intention. The rest's on the tip of, of our intention, what do we choose. Why do we choose that? And sometimes it's subtle, but you get to see it right now, right? You're getting to see. So play around with that intention. I choose to be courageous. Thank you, Thank you so much. This is so great. Ah, more questions, more reports. Time for lunch. Okay, great. So so here is the invitation I have for lunchtime. We're going to take an hour, and then when we come back this afternoon, we'll have time to both do... Um, to practice with these concepts, with these ideas, and really check them out moment to moment, play around with them. And also bring in some more concepts with our intentions, our highest intentions, um, bringing in generosity, metta, uh, this letting go, easing, like exploring, like wow, getting in there, in the silent meditation, exploring together. So... So we'll take an hour for lunch. By the time we leave the hall, by the time I, I finish these sentences, it would be 12.15. Um, so we'll come back at one fifteen, And um, so invitations, let's see. So you can have your your meal in silence, if you want. And it's nice to designate some spaces. So let's see, maybe we'll designate, there's some, uh, for people who've been here, there are tables that we can take out. So maybe the tables inside, if you choose to eat inside, uh, eat in community, connect with others. If you want to have your meal in silence, there are places to sit outside, on the benches, etc. Maybe the outside spaces, will let them be silent spaces, if you want to, be in silence and have a reflective space. You can also go in and out. You can, you know, have some time in community, and then when you've had your feel, you can just bow and say thank you. I'm gonna have, have some quiet time. So, um, and if you haven't been here before, um, uh, there there are I think there are restaurants, but the. the Easy, easy places to get food. Whole Foods, I think, is like twelve to fifteen minutes walking distance. I'm looking at Kevin as if, as if, as the manager, he should know the answer to these questions. But I think it's about fifteen minute walk or something. Is a short drive. Anybody knows how far the Whole Foods is? Seven minutes, seven minutes drive. drive. Thank you. Okay, I stand corrected. Local. Okay, seven minutes drive. Um, so enjoy your. Your day of practice, your period of practice and see maybe I'll also give being that I am a, I um, taskmaster. I'm not gonna let you go. So fifteen so the hours, see if you can practice this is this hour. If you are um, practicing community, notice the selfing, the stories of the self that might come up in, in conversation it just see them like maybe you're in a conversation and then oh yeah comparing mind comes up oh i see you okay judge judging mind comes up you're you didn't say you know what you said doesn't sound very smart or the what they say like just just notice all these selfing patterns that might be coming up with kindness with ease generosity to yourself maybe you're you're buying something at whole foods and i know some and some other pattern selfing pattern comes up just Get to see all of these, but with kindness. We're not making an inventory to judge ourselves for our selfing patterns. Please don't do that. We're just getting to know them. Oh, sweetheart, this is what's happening. Okay, I see you. It's okay. Yeah, this is, these are the cause and conditions. Okay? All right, now it is 12.15. I, I knew it. So see you at 1.15. Enjoy your lunch hour.